What is up, peeps? We are alive in 2019. Yeah, it's January 3rd. We are back from our, our vacation. Yes. Oh, also, I am Mike. And I am Matt. <laughs> we are the Pink Gold Peeps, two 20-somethings who talk all things video games, Nintendo, mainly Nintendo, actually all Nintendo, surprise. Up until, up until January 29th, where we take a uh, a small divot for like three weeks. <laughs> small Kingdom Hearts <laughs> vacation. <laughs> Where we'll be a half Nintendo podcast. Yeah, <laughs> half Nintendo podcast, and there'll be 30 minutes of me talking about Nintendo. Yes. Speaking of which, on January 31st, which is that Thursday, I'm not going to make it to recording. I'm going to tell you right now. All right, I'll record with Tim. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Mike, how are you? I'm good. Um, I'm back at work. It's stressful. Um, as, as I've said on the podcast before, I'm an accountant, so... Um, I'm about to start being a lot more busy, but I'm not worried about the podcast because, let's be honest, we started doing this during busy season last year, so... Did we? Yeah. Yeah, well, we started practicing during busy season. We didn't actually... I don't think we posted an episode until May. Yeah, we might not have. Jeez, we've been doing this a long time. Mm -hmm. Um... But otherwise, I'm I'm really I'm good. I I got a lot of games for Christmas. I want to talk about what I've been playing. But uh, how are you doing? Cool. Uh, I'm pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been it's been the usual. We had a good New Year's party. Yeah. We do every year. It was fun. I, I had a fun time. I had to go home early. I know. And well, then I, I and then I came and then I texted Matt at three o'clock in the morning because I got food poisoning and I was like, "You're still up, right?" Yeah. We were awake. <laughs> we were awake. So after you left, we did some stuff. We played some games, and then we were like going to a Smash tournament. And then we did a Smash tournament. Smash tournament ended around three o'clock ish. So that's when I texted you. Yeah, that's when you texted me. And then we started playing a really long board game. And then we didn't go to bed until about five. T- Those who were still awake didn't go to bed until about five twenty, which was like six of us. And then we went to bed, and then I woke up again at nine o'clock. And we were like, "You want to play more Smash?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And then we played Smash until noon. Nice. And then we went. To get food, and then we came back to my place and played more Smash. Jeez, I'm ha- part of me is happy that I didn't stay because I needed I needed sleep, mm-hmm. and clearly I needed it more than I thought. <laughs> yeah, apparently. But I'm happy you had I'm happy you guys had fun after I left. It Not like amazing. saying I'm the life of the party, but <laughs> I'm happy that you guys had fun. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Yeet. Uh, so Matt, we haven't talked in over two weeks on the podcast. Let's say, what did you, did you get any games for the holidays, and uh, have you been playing anything new outside well, of Smash? I didn't get any, I didn't get any games for the holidays, but I get a lot of money, which I then spent on games. And what'd you buy? You told me this, I was very I proud of you. I bought Dead Cells, I bought Banner Saga Trilogy, I bought Red Dead, and I bought Monster Hunter World. Nice. Got Red Dead for that Geralt DLC, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I've only, I've played an hour of Red Dead, and I've played a Probably around fifteen hours of Dead Cells. Yeah, you saying it's you're saying it's really good, right? It's a lot of fun. That's cool. Um, I uh, a couple flaws were brought up to me about the game that I noticed that um, specifically there's not a ton of levels. There, I mean, there's probably so the way runs go is you always start in the same location. Yeah, and then from that one location for the first couple runs, you're gonna have to go to one other the next area um and then from there you go to the next one and the next one and the next one but then as you keep going through it and you beat certain enemies you get these ruins not ruins you get runes and these runes let you do more abilities and these abilities help you open up new pathways so okay. then you get a little bit more but from any given location there's a maximum of like two different ways you could go okay and there's also so 
it goes area, 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 boss, area, area, boss, area, 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 boss. So, so three, two, three. I'm, don't quote me on that. Oh, I, haven't, I, I haven't actually gotten there yet. Okay. But there's not a lot in between the bosses. And there are, I think there's four bosses in the game, but you can only fight three in a single run. Okay, so what if you if you were to complete a run, there'll always be one boss you don't fight. I, I believe so. I, again, I still haven't beaten the game yet, and I haven't I haven't experienced everything that there is to offer. That's what I've read though. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there's a good amount of content, but there there isn't a lot of stuff. I would say like it's good at the thing it does, and it doesn't offer. No, no, no. Tons I mean, I mean what items. Mean? I mean, oh, in terms of like in terms stuff. of items, in terms of I guess enemies like. The first area has three different enemies that you fight through the whole area. Okay. There's this one, like, little green skinny guy that jumps at you. There's this really big purple guy who throws bombs at you, and then there's an archer. Okay. And then once you get to the next area, depending on which path you choose, there's different enemies. But all three of those enemies from that first area are there again, plus an addition of two new kinds of enemies. Okay. So if you go to um, one of the paths... There's a scorpion and this big slug thing in addition to those other three. Okay. If you go another way, there's this freaky um, sword dude okay. who comes in. Addition. Now answer me this: if I so if I go the way with the slug man, when I go into the next area, is it a, those those five guys plus two new ones, okay. or is it those three guys so from the beginning plus two different new guys? The the two guys in the the scorpion and the slug are exclusive to that area, and then they don't show up again. Oh, as okay. far as I know. Um, although, so, you start in a prison. You can go to either a promenade or the sewers. Yeah. Um, both the promenade and the sewers lead to the ramparts. Okay. But the sewers also have an ancient sewers path that you can go through. Okay. I still haven't gotten the rune that allows me to get to the ancient, the ancient sewers. Sewer, yeah. So I haven't even gotten there yet. But the promenade will always lead you to the ramparts. There's no other place you can go. Yeah. Um... So it's it's structured in that way, which it doesn't super bother me. But knowing that there's not a ton of different areas, I'm like, mm. uh, but runs can take a pretty long time, and the combat itself is very fun. Yeah, like the, just playing the game is a ton of fun. It yeah. is a really good game. And I will say this: what, from what you said, despite you saying, "Well, there's not like so many items and so many and areas," I don't mean to harp on that. That's not no, a bad no. thing. I'm actually I was gonna say well, part it, of the reason that. I'm more interested is because you said that because like I mean, we've talked about this before but like one of the issues I have with the Binding of Isaac on Switch is that it has all the DLC with all the items and there's over like 150 items and so many of them are just like hey we added a DLC item it does this funny thing but it's not actually good mm-hmm. that you can like get a run and you can be six items in and still not have anything like really good or even really bad it's just like kind of whatever items right so I, if there's like a smaller amount of them, I'm sure that there's. I mean, from what I've seen, there's some cool stuff you could do with the items and the traps. There is some pretty. There's some pretty sick combo, that you, yeah. and you could feel really powerful. Yeah. Um. I, I feel like you probably get there faster just because there's less stuff. Like it lets yeah. you map. It's also it. it's really not a long game. Yeah. Like um, I said I played 15 hours. I misspoke. I meant it should take about 15 hours to beat it. Probably around is what I've heard. Okay. I've played for about five hours. Okay. Okay. Um. But one thing is that a lot of the um, weapons in the game, instead of adding a ton of different kinds of weapons, from what I've seen at least anyway, there um, are just upgraded versions of the weapon. So there is a broadsword. And then uh, a broadsword broad broad plus sword two. two. <laughs> then there's a broadsword three, a broadsword four. I kind of like that, though. I No, I like it too. And then, because, like, 
I there's this electric whip I, weapon, which is my favorite weapon because it attacks really fast. It mm-hmm. may not be the most powerful weapon, but then one run I found the electric whip four. I was like, oh. <laughs> Electric Whip 4 was my nickname in high school. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there's that. There's spears. There's swords. There's shields. There's bows. There's bombs. There's traps. There's a lot of cool stuff that you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I played an hour of Red Dead Redemption. So I am in nowhere able to shape an opinion because I have watched 50 minutes of cutscene. Understandably. <laughs> yep. Um, played a lot of Smash. I got back into Octopath Traveler. Yeah, I know you did get back at Dr. Bad Traveler. I was, so I did a lot of traveling over the holiday. I was gone for, I, I told you this, I was gone from like the 22nd until the 29th. I was not even home. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing was being at my girlfriend's parents' house and Sarah leans over to me and says, hey, who's texting you? I was like, oh, Matt, he's really pissed off at a boss in Octopath. I was so <laughs> Well, the one that I was texting you about is probably because I picked up the game after not having played it for like two months. And, and you were like, I was Let's fight really a boss. annoyed, and it was late at night, and then the, and I just I just gave up. I was like, screw this, I'm going to play Octo Expansion because that that's hard, but it's fun. And then I started playing Octo Expansion. And then the next night I went back to Octopath, and I beat it like the second try. I was like, all right, that, I guess it wasn't so bad. Yeah, that's the thing you were saying. It was I was like, I had to look up the boss you were fighting. I was like, I don't remember this boss. But no, it's. But I remember it. It was the so, poison boss, right? Yes. The the re- the thing that annoys me the most about Octopath mm-hmm. is that you have eight different characters. Yeah. But it kind of shoehorns you in in a way where it's like, yeah, you can use this thief or this merchant, but you shouldn't. You don't like the merchant? I'm, I'm not saying I don't like them. There's certain fights where it's like, you, sh- you should, like... It doesn't give you freedom to say you can you can build these characters literally any way you want and they'll be good because it's fake. That's not real. Really? Yeah, for sure. There's and like even if you look online, people are like, oh yeah, if you don't bring these characters or like B tier these characters to this fight, you're not gonna win. See, I didn't have that issue. There was never a time where I said the team I brought doesn't work. I have to switch. There, I, I... Like, I will say, I mean, obviously, there's only eight classes. And once you have all eight of the classes, I think that probably becomes less of an issue at all. Because it's like, listen, if you need a white mage, you all, you can always have a white mage. Even right. if you don't use Ophelia, you'll have the white mage class. But I feel like there were characters I felt like... We, you and I were making jokes. Like, I think Therian's the worst. But then also, like, if you go online, people beat the entire game with just Therian. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Oh, I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, people have beaten Kingdom Hearts with Sora as level one without equipping anything other than the Keyblade. Well, yeah. Well, I'm saying, like, Therian's also, like, one of... They consider Therian one of the best characters. Mm-hmm. Because his dodge gets insane near the end of the game. But I just... I think... What I what I like about it, and I think this kind of does hit that, is... And we talked about this. the The passive skills for jobs near the end of the game becomes super important. And it's like, you do need to be like, I'm going to switch Alfin to class X because he needs a support skill. And like, I can't use him if it doesn't have the support skill anymore. Like with the poison boss for me, everyone was an apothecary at some point for me because I wanted them all to get the thing that said you have a resistance to getting status ailments. So the poison boss wasn't hard for me because none of my guys could have gotten poisoned until he did his like super, super death poison at the end. Right. But... I do get what you're saying. It, it does kind of say, like, you... 
You can't just say, I'm going in with four swordsmen and I'm going to kill everybody. Right. And I, I'm not saying I want to go in with four swordsmen, but I, I was doing this thing where I was like, all right, I'm bringing my main character, the character who's most important to this story, and my two lowest level characters into this fight. And I was also putting jobs on them the way I felt would fit their character. Does that uh, make sense? Oh, yeah. No, I see. Because I I it was just fun for me in like a story way. Yeah. And then I would have combinations where I was like, oh, my team just doesn't have a scholar. And that's not good. That's really not good. I get that. I can understand that part of it. Saying like, I, I want to make the team the way I want it. Right. But there's a certain class I kind of need for this fight. And because just like for certain fights, it's like, if I don't have this, I'm pretty screwed. Yeah. Or like fighting those lightning elementals or oh, any elemental the, in yeah, general. The, I mean, the elemental is a perfect have, example. If you don't have a magic using character who's really good at magic on your team, you're pretty screwed. Yeah, and the issue is the only thing they're weak to physically is staves, which who holds a staff? The scholars. The, the scholars and the magic users. I do think if you're... It's one of those things where like if you're saying I'm just going to have like one of, of most things on my team, you'll be fine. But yeah, if, you, if you're just saying I'm going to play however I want... It, it does punish you, and I think that is a little bit of a of a pity. Mm -hmm. But I'm happy because it does make you try all the classes. But out. I did I did also read a bunch of stuff that was like if you if you didn't like Octopath, and I'm not saying I don't like Octopath, I do still like the game. But I heard a lot of people say if you didn't like certain things about Octopath, you should try Bla Bravely Default. Oh my god, it's it a it's a better game, so much better. And I was like, all right. And it's the same concept where you have your primary job and right, your secondary yeah. job, and you get those passive skills you can equip, but there's, I mean, in the first game, there's 24 jobs. And, and in the I second like, game, there's more. Right. And I was like, you know what, Matt? I'll make a deal with you. If they port it to the Switch, you're allowed to get it. There you go. I like that, Matt. <laughs> um, Anything else you were playing over? I do uh... I mean, Smash. Well, yeah. Okay, so my Kingdom Hearts quest to beat them all before <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out. I have scientifically determined it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just watching the cutscenes. Yeah. And I watched all of... I watched all the Chain of Memories cutscenes, I watched all of 358 over 2's cutscenes, and I am 30 minutes into the 13 hours of cutscenes of Kingdom Hearts 2. That sounds about right. <laughs> I didn't play Kingdom Hearts 2, so that's the one I know the cutscenes for. Yeah. And I was like, I don't remember there being 13 hours of cutscene. I mean, I, I've played that game probably more than any other game I've played in my life. Yeah. I was like, there's not 13 hours of cutscenes, but then I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, there. There probably are. There's some short ones, like the one two-minute ones here and there. They add up. Well, I mean, there's, like, the the opening of the game. Is like Not just, like, the special oh intro. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, But the so whole much. opening cutscene is about eight minutes before you start playing as Roxas. Yeah. And then it's, it's like, so when they re-released the games, they re-released 3582 with Kingdom Hearts 1. Uh-huh. Before Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in the re-release, and a bunch of people who were playing these games for the first time experienced 358 over 2 before Kingdom Hearts 2. So they didn't know who Roxas was beforehand. Well, I mean, so when you play, when I played Kingdom Hearts 2 when it first came out, 358 over 2 was never mentioned, it, was, it didn't exist. It didn't exist, yeah, yeah. You, play, you started the game as Roxas, and no one knew who Roxas was. It was like, who, who is this? Who is a Roxas? And why can't I play as Sora? Yeah. But... Playing 358 over 2, you're introduced to the concept of nobodies. You understand who the organization is. You know who Roxas is and Axel is. And you know who all these characters are. And the um, the end of 358 over 2 is the beginning of Kingdom Hearts, Hearts 2. 2. Like, it starts with that first day of Roxas in Data. 
in Dana Twilight Town. I just yeah. thought, is that a spoiler? And no, I was like, not. you know what? The game's been out for over 10 years. The game's been out for over 10 years, and it's <laughs> in the first three hours of the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, so it it's like, hmm, you know, it probably makes that beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2 a lot more bearable. Because if you get through 358 over two days and you don't like Roxas, there is something wrong with you as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I liked Roxas in Kingdom Hearts 2. I mean, yeah, I like him too. Kingdom Hearts 2 is the only one I've played. And I was like, this guy doesn't seem that He's bad. Cool. Look at this little skateboard. You just feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah. But that that's pretty much it, I think. All right. That's cool. What about you? Um, well, I got a couple games over the holiday. I got um, I got Diablo 3, which I haven't touched, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I got Katamari Damacy, which oh. I've been playing a lot of. I really like it. I bought Child of Light for myself, because you told me to buy it and it's on sale. Is it was, it's on Switch? It was, it's, yeah, it's on Switch. Oh, yeah, it is on Switch. Um, I also got Rayman Legends, uh, which I've been toying with getting for a while, but I got it for as a gift. I think that was I think it was just those three plus Child of Light. And obviously I I've been also playing quite a bit of Super Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. But uh I did beat World of Light. Did I did we talk you we talked me. about that? Okay, I did. I did beat World of Light and um so I'm I'm kind of like putting it on the back burner, like you know, picking up Spirit Board from time to time. But I played a lot of Katamari. I'm I I I beat what I assume is the last level last night and there's like one level afterward and I kept saying to myself, playing this game, like, God, this is the best game ever. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, like, like it's nowadays, like, nowadays, it's like, this is great. But, like, this game came out in 2004. I feel like it was way ahead of its time. <laughs> like, it knew, it knew weird stuff <laughs> was going to be hilarious ten years before <laughs> anyone else thought so. It's too bad it missed the day, the age of memes. Oh, God. I See, that's the thing. I feel like I feel like meme culture got somewhere because of Katamari. Yeah, They're like, yeah. I can make some really funny stuff with this. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you had said to me, like, the game is short. And, oh, my gosh. it I, I You could probably sit down and beat it in ten hours. Yeah. Maybe five hours. But... Damn if it isn't just pure unadulterated fun. I know. And I like I suck at it. Like Sarah sits there, she's like, stop running into the walks. I'll be like, okay, there's a thing there. I want it. And I run into it and I lose all my stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm not big enough yet. So I go pick up the things I lost and pick up like six other things and I come back. I'm like, I want it. <laughs> Again's the thing. I'm like, this is good. I'm gonna go over there. And I'm too big for the hole over there, but I'm gonna keep pushing because I'm gonna get through. But it's like even if you're bad at it, like I am. It's still so much fun and goofy and silly and just oddly satisfying as an arcade game. Like, this is probably one of those games. This is like, I put the Katamari where I put like Excite Truck when I got a Wii. Where like, this is a game that I will play and I will beat and I will enjoy the hell out of. And then three months from now, I'm going to be like, I'm going to go beat all of Katamari again and like spend a weekend doing that and just do that. Because it's just so. It's so simple fun. I'm in love with Katamari. <laughs> I'm like, I'm hoping now, because there's four games, right? Four Katamari games. There's Katamari, Katamari, uh, there's a second one, which I don't know what it's called, but then there's Katamari Forever and uh, We Love Katamari. Yes. I don't. I, know. I know those two exist. I don't know yeah. the other one you're talking I, about. I think there's another one. Maybe there is only three. But I would love to see the other two come to Switch. And honestly, for 30 bucks as a, as a physical cartridge, I'm, I'm like, yeah, this seems like a good deal. I know digitally for $30, I'm a little miffed because the game was 20 bucks when it came out mm. and it was digital only. 
So I'm like, well, listen, the physical switch, like the switch tax with the physical cartridge. I know right. it's like a more expensive thirty dollars. Sure, I don't know why it's thirty dollars digitally, <laughs> mm-hmm. but if you haven't played Katamari, I highly recommend picking this one up. I mean, now I can say I've beaten most of the game at this point, but there's just something really funny about rolling people over. <laughs> And like rolling the things over, like there's these bears. There's these they're 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 like men in bear outfits, I guess, and they have balloons. And they love running after your katamari and breaking it. And I hate them. But then once you get big enough, you roll back and you're like, How do you like it now, bear men? No, and you roll over them. Don't don't take offense to this. What? But I feel like that is a game that would just enthrall you for hours. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> no, it's like it's funny because you know there's like two sides to Mike, right? There's Okay, I'm going to play Xenoblade 2, and I'm going to sit myself in menus for 18 hours. And then there's also, <laughs> I'm rolling the thing. <laughs> no, no, there, there is the Mike that, here's a funny joke. And he's like, that was so funny. I'm going to repeat that for the next five years of my life. <laughs> and that is what Katamari is. It's like, wow, that was funny. Now I'm going to do it for 10 hours. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Mike of games, isn't it? <laughs> am, am I wrong? No, you're not. <laughs> Also, the music is hilarious. I love the music for this uh, game. It's good music. It is. Well, for it's good. It fits very well. It is. It is so fitting for its soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I have been playing though, and I wanted to say this because we talked about it on the podcast a couple times, is I'm probably like two or three hours into two Child years. of Light. Oh, yeah. Okay. I am fascinated by the way this combat system works. Nothing. We. I want right? to take. Right. Some, hold on. I want to take something back because you and I were talking, and you you didn't play Final Fantasy VII, and I hadn't played Child of Light, and we're like, oh, well, I said active time battling system. I want to say something just just to clear up and make us cool with the gamer crowd. They are nothing alike. You you, <laughs> you know what I meant now, right? Now I understand what you meant. It's like so, like Matt said, there's like a like a timer bar at the bottom and everyone moves at their own so rate. so cool. And then there's the red section where it, at the beginning of the, the red... Yes, at the bottom. Oh, it was at the top on the PlayStation version. Well, in the Switch, it's at the bottom. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like the red section at the end and when it gets to the red section, the game stops and says, what action do you want to do? And when you get to the end, depending on how fast your attack is, you move faster through that red section, you do your attack, but if you get hit during the red section, you get interrupted and you go back. But then there's also defend, which lets you not do that, but then your bar goes faster. And then I really think, and you had kind of said this, but I think you underplayed it, the the use of the Firefly character. Yeah, he's really important. So the Firefly is like, he's like a little cursor on your on your screen. And he's on there in the overworld, and then he's on there in the battle. And basically you can, you can just play with him, but if you hold ZL on one of your characters, he slowly heals them, and it's like... It's it's real time healing. So like if you just say I'm gonna wait to decide what attack I want to use, I could just sit there and heal my guy until his bar goes away. But you can also use it to slow down your opponent's bar, which is like it's brilliant because it, when I first start, like when I first play, I was like, okay, well I'm just gonna hold L on the guy so they attack slow so they attack less. Like that's what you should do. And then I started playing. I was like, no, that's not what it is. You want to get it as fat. You want to line up your guys with your opponents as much as possible so then you can hit them and interrupt them because it's like yeah you might not be doing all this damage but it's more important to have them keep flying back and not attacking you at all but then it is it is a limited resource like you know there's he comes in with a full bar and then there's usually two plants on the level that you have to go to to recharge him Mm -hmm. in real time fascinating like isn't it so interesting i'm gonna say this you the game only takes like 10 or 12 hours it's not it's not a long game and i'm happy about that because i could easily see in the state it's in, 
this battle system overstaying its welcome. Um, but it's incredibly interesting. The They change up, if I remember correctly, the bosses change up enough where by the end of it, I was still wanting more. But I feel like that's that's how a good game should end. Yeah. Like yeah. as much as as much as I love to hate on Undertale, like the way it does its boss battles is perfect. Like saying, I'm gonna show you this really cool mechanic and only use it once. Yep. Because then nothing gets samey. Despite, you know, four hours of walking. Um <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um that, how many party members have you collected? Uh I have three party members. I just got the third guy. So who are they? So I have the child, the child of light, Aurora. <laughs> um I have the jester girl, who's my favorite. Oh, I love her. She's the best. She takes hits like a champ and her attack like she's she, like her bar moves pretty fast, but she has her basic attack is tumble, and it's so fast in the red bar. So it's like you can slow down a guy and he's like at like the last corner and she'll get there before him and interrupt his attack. And she has healing moves. So I really like her and I just got the golem as well. And I, I, I just got him. Oh, the golem. He's so cute. He's a cute boy. I was bummed that you so you only play with two guys at a time, and that never changes. Because, yeah, I played this game in 2014, mind you. So, okay. Because um, I went through and I was like, oh, there's a giant enemy here. I have three party members. I'm going to crush it. They, It might up to three towards the end. I really don't remember, but I think it might also only be two. Yeah. You don't, also don't get a ton of party members. I didn't think you... I, I didn't think I would. I honestly thought these three would be it. I think and I, there's but I'm like, like... I think there might be two more? That sounds about I right. Maybe five me. characters. I was just surprised to be... Like, I was surprised because I usually, I mean, the, the the number is usually three, but at the same time, I understand why they didn't, because managing two is enough. I think managing three, maybe that changes near the end of the game, but managing three at this point, if you were, like, not used to this kind of system, I imagine would be very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even Final Fantasy VII doesn't give you a three-party team until, like, two or three hours into the game, so I understand why, but... I'm really excited to come back when I finish it and, tell, and talk more about it. I mean, the game's beautiful. So and the style of... I mean, the system is the so unique. The music in that game is beautiful. It is very, very beautiful. Though I think, honestly, you know what shocks me the most? <laughs> I played the game. I was like, Sarah, I came home. Sarah, this game is really pretty. I want you to see it. And I turned on the game. I was like, wait, Ubisoft made this game? Yep. <laughs> well, Ubisoft has this, like, smaller... Ubisoft uh, Toronto. Yeah, it's like... Ranch. They're... Yeah, they're like, wow, you guys make good games. Yeah, they make really good games. And, indies. you know, I mean, the creative director of Shadow Light, when he... The initial picture of it on the Switch, he, like, took a, a picture of his Switch running Child of Light, and in the background there's a, a piece of paper stapled together that says Child of Light II on it. Yeah. So. They've been saying that the sequel is going to come. E3. E3 this coming E3. This coming E3. E3 this, this, this coming E3. Oh, man. All right. Now that we've talked a half hour on. Hey, we're talking about the games we haven't been playing for I two know. weeks. Do you have any more? No, that was it. That's all I've been playing. I, I want to say real fast that Nintendo's new marketing. Have you seen their new commercials with the new thing that like their tagline? Um, maybe Nintendo Switch. What are you playing next? Yes, I have seen. I that. I love that tagline, and I feel it every time I, I look. Do, I'm like, I what am like I playing tagline. next? Um, I just want to bring that up real fast. But that, yeah, that's, that's all good. I've been playing. What will I be playing next? Probably Darkest Dungeon because it's been sitting on my shelf for a while. <laughs> um, um, so Matt, I know you have a couple pieces of news before we yes, talk about our games of the year. That actually flips into uh, there's a Nintendo sale going on right now. Oh, there is. There's a lot. It's a, like a Happy New Year sale. Uh, a lot of Nintendo published games, Mario Kart 8, Splatoon 2, ARMS, I don't remember if there's any others, uh, 30% off. Wow. Like 42 bucks. 
Um, there's a couple. What? That's digital, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other games that are um, on sale. Also, there's a game called Flint Hook, which is a roguelike, which is only ten dollars right now. And I wanted to pick it up because it's like a pirate themed kind of roguelike. Yeah. I didn't know anything about me. I said I like my pirates. You do like pirates. Um, Mega Man Legacy Collection is like also ten dollars. Wow. Which is like a ten games. For ten dollars, that makes sense because I was looking on the eShop the other night and I saw a bunch of games on sale and I was like, "Huh, oh, what's going on?" Um, there's a bu- there's a bunch of other ones also, but, but take a look. That. that is until next Thursday. Next Thursday, okay. Yeah, so you, you'll hear this before yes, you will before... hear this before the sale ends. So, so go, go buy some them. games. Um, Persona Five R. Yeah, so. I was actually waiting up for this because it was in Japan after the Persona 5 has an anime, like an anime special that's going on. And at the end of it, they announced the announcement for Persona 5 R. So March. Yeah, March March 2019, they're going to get an announcement for Persona 5 R. Now, here's the thing, though. It's like a hit and miss because they didn't announce the game, but they did have Sony's PlayStation logo appear in the beginning. So... Most people that I've been talking to and speaking about this are saying it's probably one of two things. One, the game is some kind of re-release of Persona 5 on the PlayStation-only consoles. And unfortunately, we're not going to get it. And that's why it says PlayStation logo. Unfortunately, you're not going to get it. I'm not going to. Well, I have a PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I've been hearing is they're going to announce it for Switch, but they don't want to announce it for Switch until they have the official announcement. And the content is still coming to PlayStation so they're going to put the PlayStation logo beforehand. Right. I feel like both are actually kind of reasonable when you I look mean, yeah, at it. I mean, yeah, both are totally logical. Um, of, although we're not going to see it in January. We're not going to see it in the January Direct. No, we're not. Um, we, I mean, I think making announcements for announcements is just stupid anyway. Agreed. Unless it's coming like two days later. Yeah. Then, then that makes plenty of sense. See, Nintendo does but, that. But like, like, yeah. Nintendo Direct in two days. <laughs> I mean, I remember when um, Square Enix announced that they were going to make an announcement for the release date of Final Fantasy 15 and it was like 5 months later. Oh my god. And it was like why? That's even better. And then they delayed yeah, the announcement got... of the announcement. But the game got delayed too. <laughs> yeah. It, oh god, it was oh, so geez. stupid. I do think it's very ridiculous, but it's like they're they're getting the hype up and honestly like as much as I think it's stupid at the same time, like, think about this from Alice's perspective. Okay, everyone's talking about Persona 5 because they just announced it for Smash. So people are hearing Persona 5 stuff. Oh, something's going to come out. And everyone's looking. Okay, the announcement's coming out in March. I imagine Joker's going to come out around then, right? Right, but I mean, also, there is so much time. Like, it's only three months. It, it max three months. But that's a lot of time oh, it is. in the world we live in right now. Oh, yeah. So, like, they should have just... When Joker came out in Smash, there was going to be a lot of buzz, so they should have just then teased the announcement. I think you're right. I just want to preface that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, from, like, a marketing perspective, I guess I get it. They're, like, they're trying to keep the hype as yeah. long as possible. It's not going to work because everyone's like, this was stupid, and in February, no one's going to be talking about the announcement for the announcement. Right, and I mean, especially because of that Nintendo Direct like, that's going to take up a lot of the the media time in January. Yeah. I will say this. I'm happy they said it because then people won't be yelling like animals when they don't announce Persona 5R during the Nintendo Direct in January. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Matt, um, when is the Direct? Well, we don't know for a fact, but the heavy-handed rumor is January 10th. 
Yep. And I've seen that on multiple different places. That would make so, sense because um, usually it's Thursday night, Intel, right? What? Thursday night's usually when they do them. Or Thursday, Thursday nights are usually when they do them. Um, Gaming Intel, I believe the website is called, are reporting it. They correctly predicted the Smash Direct. Yeah. A couple days I remember before that. the Smash Direct. Um, and then I've seen a bunch of other places say that it's kind of like a, a bunch of different YouTubers have been like, yeah, I got it from this source, blah, blah, blah. I'd believe it. Um, I've heard a couple of interesting things um that could be in the direct but i don't i don't know if i believe any of it so i'm not even gonna talk about it like, that seems fair i've heard like oh a new mario sports game oh a new a new mario sports game I've wow heard... that's a that's a that's a real real stretch of a prediction yeah, there right? isn't it um a lot of people have been saying a new 2d zelda interesting and i'd be like you mean a new mm. top-down zelda well, yeah i mean a top-down zelda i was like there's only been one 2d zelda <laughs> and it's um it's um, okay <laughs> a lot of people i've heard two things either one just a new top-down zelda or um link's reawakening is what another thing that i've heard a lot so like a what like a remix of link's awakening yeah either like a sequel in the vein of a link between worlds um or just a remake of link's awakening and i think link's awakening is either my favorite top-down zelda or tied with link between worlds yeah well link between worlds is pretty solid i love link's awakening because it's so different yeah and also kirby's in it Yes, he is. <laughs> um, fun fun life yeah. fact, Link's Awakening was my first Zelda game, although I didn't really know what to do because it was my uncle's. That's I played How it old for a little... Oh, God, I... I um, four or five? Oh, so there's no way you finished <laughs> no, it. No, no, I played, I played it because I had it and then right. I stopped playing mm-hmm. it. I remember that was my that was my unwind game. In, in one of my years in college, I would get in my bed and I'd play some on my 3DS. That's cute. Um... But yeah, is that all of it? Is that all the news? I think that's all of the news. I I mean, there there's news, but I didn't really want. There's, there's nothing big. Yeah, the 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 guys who make Celeste canceled their Metroidvania. That oh, the that's the other thing I want to talk about, about, which kind of bums me out. And um, I was talking to Rob about this, and I had a theory, and Rob had a theory. My theory, not not necessarily theory of like I definitely think this is why, because I don't know if it is, but I was like, you know, I would believe that um, the a praise and all the reception that um, Celeste is getting is freaking them out, and they're like, "If our game is enough to snuff now, we gotta, we gotta Accent. cut it." And then Rob was like, "It could be that, or it could be this interview that I read how it wasn't coming together the way they wanted because they wanted to combine Metroidvania and roguelike in a new way." And I was like, "Oh yeah, it could be that too." I feel like it probably is a combination of both. I'm not gonna yeah. say it's hey. You got Game of the Year nomination. You know what also got a Game of the Year nomination in one of the categories? Dead Cells, which is a re- t- remake of a Metroidvania-style roguelike. And I'm probably like, ah! You know, <laughs> let's let's get into the nitty-gritty. Yep. So, we have just... So, it's Game of the Year time. I was very adamant about not doing it until 2018 it ended. Yes. Because that is the way that I feel it should be done. I feel like it's a good way Personally. to do it. We, it's, it's, I feel like it's a time to celebrate games. You know Agreed. I mean? It's yes. a time to celebrate. So when we were thinking about how we were going to do this, I wanted to celebrate all kinds of games, and I thought it was going to be unfair to throw all games in, in one pot. So we have two different things we're going to do. We are going to do an indie spotlight as you might call it, of a bunch of indie games that we thought were really good this year. And then we're going to do our top five Switch games. And after that, I'm going to briefly run through my top five games of the year. Because Cause you played... Cause you I, didn't just play Nintendo games, yeah. Because, first of all, I wanted to do that anyway, but then I was making the list, 
and for Switch, I was like, this is really hard. And then my top five actual games of the year, I was like, done. Yeah. Um, one thing we did say, um, the only rule that we had for our games of the year is the games had to come out this year, mm-hmm. and we didn't we didn't exclude, but we tried our best not to pick ports. Yes. Um, and there were certain DLCs that were basically full games. Yeah, I mean, we talked about our favorite DLCs in an episode, and I think you included... Did you include a DLC on somewhere? There, there's a DLC on my list. Okay, well, there's... And in, in my defense, there is a re, there's a remake on my list. I'm, so. I'm excited, because I'm pretty sure we're going to have very different lists. I think so, too. Um, I want to share some some numbers with you that okay. I, I have here. Um, in 2018, I played 31 new games. Oh, my God. Which is, like, crazy to think of. 31 games. Out of those 31 games, four of them, I kind of just dropped and stopped playing. Those games are going to list for you real fast. Okay. Because none of these games should surprise you that... I mean, you knew that I stopped playing them. Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. Yep. Car Quest. That, yep. that awful game that I bought for a dollar. L.A. Noir, which I want to come back to, yep. but I'm putting it away. Yep. Um, and Don't Starve, which I bought, but I've, I played for only a couple hours before I kind of stopped playing it. Mm. And then also, real fast, some of the backlogs, in addition to obviously the games that I bought, you know, over the holiday break, four big games that I didn't play, that I wanted to play in 2018 that are not on that list, are Celeste, Monster Hunter Generations, Darkest Dungeon, and Disgaea 5, which has been sitting on my desk forever. (laughs) But that's it. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple games that I didn't play this year that I really wanted to, but now, like, looking back... I can't. I can't even like think of them offhand. Which I mean, I guess it just shows goes to show you how bad I actually wanted to play them. Yeah. Um. One that really comes to mind though is Valkyria Chronicles Four. Oh yeah. Valkyrie Chronicles Four. I did really want to play that one. I never got around to it. Um. Were there any others? Xenoblade Two didn't come out in 2018. Right. It's excluded from the list. Fine, fine, fine. It was a big year for ports. I'm gonna say that. It was I know a big that year for you. Ports. I think part of the reason you and I have probably such different lists is because as a Wii U owner, a lot of the game and a, and honestly a PlayStation owner, mm-hmm. a lot of the games that came out this year that I was super excited for, you I had either already played. played or you had already had a chance to buy, and you were like, they didn't catch me last time. There's not enough new stuff. Yeah, to catch I me said this that a couple time. times this year. Yeah, which I think is why you played a lot more of the indie games mm-hmm. on Switch than I played, like the newer ones. Right. Uh but with all of that in mind, um, so Matt, I know you have a couple categories before you do top five. You want to talk about those? Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk indies. Sure. So I selected three indies that I was like, "Ooh, these are these are sexy indies." Uh, Overcooked two, fantastic. Which is an incredible game. It's I mean I have said it before, and I will gladly fight again. That is one of the greatest multiplayer experiences ever. I agree. It's like end of story. Ever. I just I just don't want to play it with anyone else that's not you because I, <laughs> I feel like they'll make me want to cry. It, I mean it depends. I mean Luke Luke is interesting to play the game with. Um, I don't know. It's just it's such a great game of cooperation. It is a very strong test of cooperation and a blight. There's, there's gonna be a lot of yelling. Like that's yep. all I can say. Uh, Dead Cells is another one on there. Yes. Oh, Dead Cells is also on the games. Of, uh, after hearing it from you on my list of games, I didn't play this year that I wanted to. Um, Dead Cells is on my indie list. It is an incredible game. I don't want to say too much about it in case it shows up somewhere else. But um, and I just talked about it for 15 minutes. <laughs> it's so yeah. it is so much fun. 
and I will finish a run of the game. The first run I finished of the game, the, my first run was like maybe 10 minutes long and I died. And I was like, oh, it's going to be one of these kinds of games where I'm going to finish and then I'm going to want to play again. Which was cute when I started. But now, runs take about 45 minutes. Yep. And now I'm like, oh no, I really want to play again. <laughs> yep. Um, and another one is Celeste. A, a fantastic beautiful game, game. i actually um at january 1st limited run games put up a pre-order for the physical copies of celeste and i did secure myself a physical copy of the game nice so i will be playing it when it comes to me in around march cool um two indie games that i wanted to talk about um both of them are ports but one of them i feel like didn't get a lot enough love and it's an incredible game and the other one is a game that everyone thinks is incredible but i finally got to experience it this year um the first one the first one is Risk of Rain, mm -hmm. which is a game that was on... You've even already played this game. I know. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm bringing it up, and I know, yes, I played this game, but I told you this when I got it on Switch. So the game was on Steam Greenlight. It was a greenlit game that made it and became a full game on Steam. And you hear all these horror stories about Steam Greenlight being, like, this terrible, terrible place. Or not, I mean, it was. It's gone now. Steam Direct is now the bad place. Mm -hmm. Um where games just aren't really games and to see a really solid 2d roguelike game that i feel like has a lot of replayability come out on the switch so long after its original release and with changes that happened over the course of its development and once it even had released i mean the game's very it's not really different but there are some big differences from when i played it on steam and I think that it is a gem of a roguelike. And if Dead Cells hadn't come out this year, I would have said it would probably be the roguelike to play this year. It's not. <laughs> but I love it, and I want to give it some more love. The other one, it's not surprising, is Hollow Knight. Um, right. An incredible, incredible game. You're getting plenty of your money's worth for $20 with three free DLC packs and another one on the way. Um, if, you, if you like that kind of game, it's also one of the first times in a long time I've played one of those games that's like, Hey, this is like the Dark Souls of blank. Right. Like, I'm not like you. I mean, we have our opinions here on the Pink Gold Teams podcast about Dark Souls, but yep. those kind of like those high difficulty games. Oh, right. It's yeah. part of the reason I didn't play Celeste. I was like, those games sometimes frustrate me, and I'm just like, rather not go there. But Hollow Knight, I think, is really, really good. It's it's the way it should be done, where it's balanced enough that you feel like you're learning and you come back to it over and over again. Um, that would be mine, Hollow Knight. Um. The other one that I wanted to highlight, like an honorable mention, is Wandersong. I agree with that. Which is that bard one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just so cute. It's just so cute. And it just makes you happy when you play it. Yep. Uh, but that's it. So now it's time to talk the top five The top five. Top five and Switch I'm not going to lie. Um, this list was pretty hard for me to make. Really? Um, was it hard for you to find five or was it just hard to actually order them? Both. Okay, because for me it was ordering them was tough. Both were hard. Um, it it was if de if I didn't play Dead Cells, spoiler alert, Dead Cells is my number five. Okay. Um, if I didn't play Dead Cells, I would have been really struggling to find a number five spot because there is one game that I'm fairly certain is going to be on your list that's not on my list that I was really thinking about putting on there, and we'll I will get I know we'll get into conversation. I'm sure later, so I'll talk about it later. Okay. But my number five is Dead Cells. Okay. Um, and I think this game is so good. So we, good that you found a third excuse to talk about in the same episode. <laughs> you're right. 
I think this game is so... Well, I mean, hey, in the beginning I criticized it, and then I highlighted it, and now I'm going to talk about the good parts. Mm-hmm. This game is so good because it nails everything that it wants to nail. It nails an atmosphere. Even though it's, like, kind of bit graphics, it it really nails that desolate island that you are alone on. Um, it nails the combat because it is super simple. You mash the attack button, then you have a ranged button, and then you have two items that you can use which have cooldowns on them. Mm-hmm. And it is very simple, but you can equip certain things in such a way that it will vary it up. Then you have these mutations that you can get, which give you different buffs or which give you different support abilities. And then you have ways of... So, one of the biggest things is when you kill enemies, sometimes you'll get cells. And then once you finish an area, you go to this one guy and you give him all your cells. And you you basically... um, There's bars of like, you need 50 cells to unlock this. You need 30 cells to unlock this. And you put your cells, how many you've gotten, into getting those. So like, I got 10 cells, I'll put... 10 here, or I'll put 5 here, and I'll put 5 here, and then the next, that carries over through all... Yeah, I was going to say, it carries over through, through the game, all right? sessions. And, like, I got one that was, like, you'll start every round with thirty with 3,000 gold if you had 3,000 gold when you died last game. And then I upgraded to 6,000. Or there's... um You get a health flask if you get the ability. So then, if you're dying in a level, you can use your health flask and regain, like, 75% of your health. Oh, wow. And then you can... um Upgraded again to get two health flasks. In okay. Um, and it's just things like that. You can get new mutations. Like, I unlocked one where it's like, if you die, you can come back once. Mm-hmm. And then it's gone. And a bunch of stuff like that. So there's so many things to work towards in that sense. But if you die in a level, all of the cells that you had, you don't get. So, like, I was I went through one level, and I got 20 cells. And I was like, awesome, I'm going to use all these. And then I went to the next level, and I had 30-something cells through that one level. And I was like, oh, man. And I died right before I got out. You don't get them back. Yeah. They're gone. And it feels so bad. It's, okay. it's like losing your souls in Dark Souls. Yeah. But you, you don't have a chance in Dark Souls. And I'm pretty sure in Hollow Knight, you get the chance to get them back. Yeah, you can go back. And if well, in Hollow Knight, you have to go back and fight your dead body. And if you beat oh, right, your dead right, body, right. you get all your energy back. Yeah, you, you don't get that chance. Yeah. And the music is spooky. Spoopy? Spoopy. It's spooky music. Cool. But it's it's just a fun time. Yeah. It's... Well, I mean, clearly. I mean, I, I may have been joking about, hey, he found three excuses to talk <laughs> about dead cells. But, like, the game, you got the game for, what, six days ago? Yeah, something like that. And I've played it a lot. Yeah, I clearly. really like it. So I'm, I'm happy that you're enjoying it as much as you are. Um, my number five, unless you want to keep talking. Go ahead. Okay. My number five... Well, first I want to give one honorable mention to a different port. Dragon Quest Builders. I love you, Dragon Quest Builders. Um, Number five for me, I think might be on your list. But my number five is the multiplayer game that I want to bring with me no matter where I go. And that is Super Mario Party. I love Super Mario Party. It's incredible. It It is exactly... It gives me the feelings that old Mario Parties gave me as a kid. And, like, I've gone back, and I've played Mario Party 2 and 3. My brother has an N64 on one of those flash carts that has every game on it. And what we used to do is the night before Christmas Eve, we would be at my my dad's, and we would play old N64 games. And we played Mario Party two years ago, and I remember, like, oh, it was fine. You know, it's like, it's stupid, silly, fun, whatever. 
it's obviously it's aged, right? Like that's what happens. You know, you get older and you're like, oh, this is kind of just stupid, silly fun or whatever. Super Mario Party brings somehow I'm a kid again and I don't care that it's stupid, fun and random. <laughs> it's awesome. The games are silly and stupid and I feel like everybody can be good at them. They're not all just mashing the A button and the whole I think the novel idea of hey, the characters have their own dice and you can use that or just a regular die. That yes. And making the and like every design choice seems like they said, okay, how do we go back to old Mario Party, but also still make it better? Like the fact that guess what, you're not rolling a die with ten faces anymore. Like you know how many times you play Mario Party, any of them, and you're halfway across the board, and the star shows up. You're like, well, there's no chance I'm ever gonna get that star because I went left and it's right, and it takes me like thirty five spaces to turn around. Every board, I mean, even when, like, when you're playing on the, the Womp's Forge, I remember, or the Womp's Temple, the other night we played, and mm-hmm. someone passed a star, and they got the star, and they got, and they finished their turn. They were still, like, they were far away, but they were, like, 28 spaces away from the star. And that's brilliant. There's, like, let's make the board smaller. Let's make the dice smaller. There are so many design choices in this Mario Party that are familiar, yet unique at the same time. You know, the way you, the way the the boards are intertwined like the different paths yet very small is amazing the way uh stars cost less some people disagree with me but i think it's a great idea because it keeps the momentum up yeah the action keeps going so fast paced and the mini games i think i haven't played every mario party game but i think they're some of the most creative mini games i think they're some of the best mini games that a mario party game has had and there's not a ton of them which i'm pretty sure they're going to change sometime in 2019 Mm -hmm. there's not a ton of them but they're all good. Like they're all yeah. It's it's they're mostly. I'd say it's one fun. of the most consistent Mario Party games in the sense of like there's no mini game like oh no it's this one. Yep. Everybody hates this one. There's mm-hmm. less of that, and it's good. It's really smart. And yet, the, honestly, you know what I think my favorite thing about the smaller boards is, I know where everything. If you ask me to like draw out the Womp's Temple board right now, I could be like, yeah, you go this way. There's an item box here, and the the boo is over here. And the stars show up around here. These are the two wiggler spots. Like, I could draw it out for you in two minutes. I played... When I play Mario Party 5, I only play on Sweet Dream. Only. Like, even when I was a kid, I only played on Why? Sweet Dream. Because it's the best level. Okay. I couldn't draw it for you. I don't even... I couldn't... I Like, there's a big circle at one point. I remember that. There's cakes everywhere. There's a waffle party at the top. <laughs> that's that's all I know. And, the, like, the boards seem so much more memorable in this game. They're yeah. small, but... You only need to play them two or three times to know where everything is. And it's not like, oh, well, I've played the game 16 times, so I know where all the cool stuff is. Which, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is my number four. Okay. So Surprise. we can keep talking it about is it. My to- it is my number four. And I mean, I, I just talked about quite a few things that I think are yeah. really good about it. I Another thing that I want to highlight about this game is um, this game is on my top five and um, Overcooked isn't. Not because... Not because I think this game is way better than Overcooked. I think Overcooked is very good. I do think that Mario Party might be a little bit of a better game, but it's got it has so many other things to offer. Overcooked, you're in a kitchen. That's it. That's there it. are a ton of different things to do in the kitchen, and they mix up the levels so many beautiful ways that it makes it. It's like, oh, what am I gonna do now? Oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, but Mario Party is like you're on a game board. Now you're on a grid with a teammate. Now you're in a raft. Now you're playing a rhythm game. And I do think that each different game mode that it has could have used a little bit more depth 
and it's almost, I heard someone, I can't remember where I heard this, but I hear someone else say um, they should have um, scrapped one or two of those and really worked hard on making just like two modes really good. And I'm like, yeah, that probably would have helped the game. But in this age where Nintendo is like, we're going to go back and we're going to add new content, I'm not as worried about that. Me neither. And honestly, if every single one of those modes hits a different thing, like, I love playing the rhythm game after playing a game of Mario Party because everyone could just get up and, like, everyone's standing up anyway because you just played an, an, an hour-long right. Mario Party game. And let's play this stupid, silly rhythm games. And, you know, the team, I love it. I haven't played a lot of the team one, but I love it. I think as much as I don't like um, Star Rush, that's the name of it, right? Because we always keep yeah. calling it Star Allies. Star Rush, I feel like this does, this makes what Star Rush did that I hated so much, I love it. Like, I think it fixed the problems I had with it, having it being a team game and all these other great, you know, just little quality of life changes that really, I know, really aren't that big, but to me makes so much of a difference. Right, yeah. I mean, every mode it has is very unique. Yeah. And I, I, I myself haven't even touched the single player. The single player, I, I, it's simple, but it's like that. It's simple, but it's consistent. And it's also good and... The reason I always I was worried about playing it, like I found, okay, in order to get Pom Pom and Diddy Kong, you need to beat single player. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that because usually what happens when you're playing single player, and I talked about this when we did our review, when you play the single player mode, you become the best at all the mini games because you need to win them and do really well in them to win. So then no one wants to play Mario Party with you because you're the best at all the mini games. That is not the case with this one. It's like you just need to be good. You need to just win one. It's not like impossible. And I like that. It's something so simple. But yeah, it's like, it's a good two hours of fun. And honestly... Short and sweet. Yeah. Uh, as much as I think Toad's Rec Room is... like Oh, I totally forgot about Toad's, Toad's Rec, Rec Room. Room. To me, Toad's Rec Room is the most intriguing thing about this game. Okay. But if you had to cut something and make everything else better, it would be that. Toad's Rec Room is a tech demo for something that I hope comes to fruition in the future. Fruition. That's what I said. You said fruition. I said fruition. <laughs> um, I, I hope comes more into the spotlight because that is some cool technology. It's incredibly and interesting. there are some awesome ways you could use that. You know. Yeah. Um. But I mean, we'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah. I I like it. But I think I, they'll do more stuff with I, it. I like that it's there for proof of concept. Yes. Like I like where it's there because now people can be like, "Whoa, that's super cool!" And then when Nintendo make something else that uses that people go whoa i use that in super mario party and i thought it was cute there yeah it's like hey let's make part of our game proof of concept as opposed to opposed to making like here's a proof of concept game which usually doesn't go very well right and i mean like similarly um whenever pokemon makes a new game for a new system i mean usually the first one they're like all right let's let's work some things out and then the next one it's gonna be awesome. Um, they do that, like they do that, and I like how you know Nintendo was like, let's test it here, so they can get all that trial and error out of the way with doing something like that, and then they can move on. And like, all right, if we wanna we wanna dip our toe, like really get into this, then now we can because we we tried it already and we know how it works. Yep. Speaking of that, actually, I'm gonna jump to my number four game. Okay. Which is Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Boom. So. We've been talking about this game since November. Yes. Um, okay. 
it was a Pokemon game. It was going to sell like gangbusters. We all knew that. <laughs> love, love it or hate it. Honestly, I found this to be my most... As someone who played as a, as a filthy Gen 1-er, who started with Gen 1 and loves Gen 1 more than everything else, this is the first game where I'm like, I'm proud to say I'm a Gen 1-er. Because, <laughs> like, this game... Kind of like Mario Party, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee brought me the same feelings when I was playing Red and Blue for the first time. And seeing these areas for the first time. Because it's like, it's Pokemon. Everybody loves Pokemon. I love Pokemon. But we're not gonna bog it down. You know, I wasn't I wasn't playing through the game saying, oh, I'm gonna, I gotta make a perfect team, and my, I wanna get the right natures for everybody, and I don't, oh, this guy's IVs are crap, I don't wanna play with that. You know, maybe I shouldn't, I shouldn't actually use this guy because I want to use do him competitively. Do you play through the campaign? I, I have a hard time playing through the campaign of a Pokemon game, man. Really? I have a really hard I don't time. even worry about any of that stuff during the and Pokemon In Pokemon Black and White, I was really annoyed because I wanted a Golurk on my team and one other po- and another Pokemon that was near the end of the game. And I had only four Pokemon on my team. And I was like, I don't want to put a fifth and sixth Pokemon man, on my team. you are everything that's wrong with the Pokemon community. I know, because I know it's wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's just... Some of everyone was saying, "Well, Pikachu, look, Pikachu and Eevee's for casuals," and I don't, I don't think so. It's for people who want to. It's for people who like Pokemon. Yeah, it's a game for Pokemon fans. It's it's, it's like Pokemon Quest, where it's like, "Hey, here's a game. You catch them all and you fight." Now, Pokemon Quest was really, really light, but Pokemon Let's Go is let's make a lighter version of the main game so you can cruise through this game, enjoy it for what it is, and do what. Honestly, here's the big thing. It made it so much fun to do the thing that I'm supposed to do in a Pokemon game, which is I am supposed to do what? Catch them all. This was the first game where I was like, I'm enjoying catching them all. I want to catch them all because it's fun to catch them and see how they react and see how they move and how do they react when I throw a Pokeball at them. Like, playing Pokemon is fun. Catching Pokemon is playing Pokemon and throwing a ball at the end. Having the catching mechanic was something that was so simple, like, okay, Pokemon Go lets you throw the Pokeball and catch the Pokemon. Let's do that in this game. And I just think, despite the issues I had with controlling it, depending on how you're playing, it's it's just really fun to enjoy Pokemon like this again. You know? And as much as I was like, I mean, I got, I, you know, I have a shiny Beedrill with really good IVs and the nature I want, and I'm training him up. And I'm enjoying that, but it wasn't like that was the fun part and the the storyline was fun, but there was a lot of dragging on in the middle. Like, no, there wasn't that. I felt like taking out the wild battles and being fighting made the whole game just smoother. That is that is one thing about uh, Let's Go, is that in a lot of Pokemon games, sometimes the momentum will kind of die while you're traveling. Oh, 100 percent Or something like that. That never happens in Let's Go. Yeah. I mean, I do think Sun and Moon also did a pretty good job with I that. I think they did too. Uh, but with Sun and Moon, I mean, not with Sun and Moon, I'm sorry. But with Let's Go, it's it's a 25-hour game. Yep. And it's just bang, badge, bang, badge, bang, story time, bang, badge. And it's like, oh, it's over. Yeah. It was a really fun time. Yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a cruise through Kanto, and it's really, really enjoyable. And there's a lot of post-game content that if you do want to spend all this time playing it, you can. And it makes Kanto feel more alive, because Kanto feels kind of dead when you play it again as an adult. It's just very empty, because it was the first game. There was, wasn't as much stuff. They couldn't do as much, and they, like, they just did enough things, and, like, saying, hey, the Pokemon are on the overworld makes the world feel like a region, as opposed to just a flat patch of land that had a bunch of towns on it. 
And, oh, God, I just... I love Pokemon. Pokemon? Oh, sorry, what? I'm sorry. I just, real fast. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee is probably the most I've enjoyed a Pokemon game in a while. But let me tell you this. Pokemon Let's Go Pichu and Let's Go Togepi, which have to happen with the amount of games they sold. I'm going to have a hard time, a really hard time, having any Pokemon game beat that one. Yeah. I'm going to have a, re- a real you hard it's time. Be Pichu, though, it's going to be Azumarill and... You th- oh, you think it's going to be Meryl and Togepi? Mer- Meryl. I, I mean, would Meryl. hope it's Meryl and Togepi, because Pichu... I mean, you know, we just did Pikachu. Like, why would we want to do Pichu? And also, like, it's not going to evolve, so why would you want a Pichu? Yeah, and I mean, let me put it this way. I think Togepi's going to be... Togepi will be the Eevee version, where it's like, Togepi's broken. We can't let this, mm-hmm. th- this go on. Um, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee is not a, in my top five. I think it's a very good game, but I I just don't see it as anything of enough of an impact to be like, yeah, that that was but that's a because, defining game of 2018. Because for you, it doesn't have that it, weight to it, which is fine. Right. And, and I mean, but that's the thing. When you remove that weight, it's not that it wasn't good. I just don't think it, it really means as much. Yeah. I think, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not saying, oh, you think it's a bad game. No. No, no, it's I a, think it's a great it's game. It's a great game, but for me, the the legacy it has and the nostalgia that I have for its source material is what pushes it into right. my top games. And I, I, I will say, I think that Pokemon, just the franchise as a whole, has gotten way too competitive over the years. I think all of the crazy competitive systems and the cutthroat, like, this Pokemon is trash. <laughs> <laughs> I hate. I really hate that because you say Pokemon is about catching them all, and that that is the way they market Pokemon. I say Pokemon is about making friends and forging some kind of relationship. And and if you look at my Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon account, you'll know that I also kind of think that Pokemon <laughs> is a Fight Club. <laughs> oh God! Please bleep that out. <laughs> Yikes! Um, <laughs> it's true though. Uh, no, it is, and I, I really hate that, because I, I love making relationships with Pokemon, and Pokemon Let's Go both helped and didn't help that, because I, well, I felt more distant with most of my team than I did in, like, Sun and Moon, um, I also felt like, I like you, little Ghastly, and I want to love you and have you on my team, and I... I got to keep little Ghastly that I caught. Yeah. And I, I didn't have to be like, mm, that's not going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was... Always... I mean, usually when I play through main campaigns, I don't do that anyway. But then, like, post-game, then I'll be like, mm, can't really use you when I fight against other people because you're not going to do that great. But with with Let's Go, it's like, yeah, we'll just give it this, give it this. And then it's perfect. There you yeah. go. I also... Yeah, I feel like one of the big things you just said there is right. When, when the Pokemon are on the overworld and you see a little Vulpix standing on its own, you're like, I want to I wanna take care of you. I want to catch you, and I'm going to name you Bubbles, and you're going to be my little friend. And, like, you're not going to be on my team, but you're going to hang out on my team, Bubbles, and I'm going to love you. And that's okay. I'm going to put you in the Pokeball. I'm going to bring you out when I go play Pokemon Go today, Bubbles. I love right. you. That doesn't happen in regular Pokemon. And let's be honest. I think this is the first time ever that I would kill for a pixelated Eevee. I will kill anybody for roxy she is my <laughs> darling i love her so much i'm battling the elite four multiple times so i can buy her the crown because she is a princess <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like similarly i love my pikachu i i just love my Pikachu. and then there's like 
my favorite thing that just like melted my heart is like Pikachu gave you a little gift. Oh, and gifts. it like wraps it in the leaves. Little and leaf. <laughs> it's like a lost earring. I was like, oh, that's so. And it's cute. like I still love you so it's much. Like, <laughs> it's just thinking. My Pikachu found this earring in the grass and thought to give it to me. Yep. I love you. I love you, Pikachu. <laughs> oh goodness, we got to, we got to keep going, Matt. Then who? That was your number four. That was my number four. All right, my number three is Octo Expansion, the Splatoon Two DLC, which is about twenty hours long. You can do everything. Yeah. I have not yet done everything. I'm very close to have done everything. Um, this game is amazing. And it, it is a game. It is. It's a, it's, it's a single-player Splatoon game. It is the best single-player Splatoon anything. It's like, you are just flabbergasted at the amount of different ideas that they managed to pack into this. I just did a level where the goal of the level was you're on a platform, and it was you have 30 seconds to not get hit. And then you just have to dodge, like, 40 different enemies that start attacking you from all different directions. Oh, jeez. And it's, like, it was hard, but it was, like, wow. I mean, like, how do they, first of all, like, how do they think of this in a Splatoon game? And, I don't know. And then they ha- they have new, new different, like, um, set pieces almost. Like, there's this one thing that will flop around. And you have to figure out what side do I have to paint that so I can climb on top of it so then I'm safe when it moves back again and then I can get on this one. And there's there's so many like environmental puzzles in it that it's just like, wow, it's, it's really cool. It sounds like they really went, like, they didn't, like, just say, here are the assets from Splatoon 2, make a new mode. No, not It's at all. like, they really I mean, tried. There are there are a lot of enemies that just reoccur. Well, yeah, that's but, fine. Like, yeah, that doesn't matter. I mean, the same thing, like, if you look at Splatoon 1's deal, not DLC, Splatoon 1's single player, and compared to Splatoon 2's single player, they reused a lot of assets. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's so creative and takes so many steps in a way where I'm like, I want a full single player Splatoon game. Like, I, I want a full single player, which this basically is, but I was like, a full, like, it, it would just be cool, like, where you're not playing in these, like, amalgamated worlds of, like, floating objects. Like, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, but it also just so much for just the atmosphere of Splatoon, the world building. I've heard the it, characters. it's incredibly like, good. You love Marina now, and you haven't even seen her personality. Like, you get so much Marina and Pearl. Mm-hmm. And it's just so... Like, I, I have such a new appreciation for those characters. Cool. Because they're just so cool. The way they talk to each other, the way they talk to you, it's, it's awesome. Sweet. I'm re- I, it's another thing I need to put on my list. It's on it's on, uh, it's on my wish list on my Switch. But mm-hmm. I need to actually buy it. Yeah, no, it's it's just a great time. And you can get lost in it for 20 hours. It's just, Easily. If you, if you have walked away from Splatoon, it is a great way to get back into Splatoon. Um, I like how you had Octo Expansion as your number three. Because my number three is also Octo-related. Oh, let's go to town! <laughs> Octopath Traveler. Like I've said before, I will say it again. Octopath Traveler is not the best RPG of all time, but what it stands for is so important that I felt like it needed to be on this list. I love Octopath Traveler. I'm not, like I said, it's not, it's probably not even my, it's maybe in my top ten RPGs of all time. Definitely not my top five. Going back to a turn-based RPG for a $60 game is something that I thought would never, ever, 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 ever happen. And for Square Enix to do it, and maybe not hit it out of the park, but do a solid job and do something different. The the combat system, what it borrows from Bravely Default, but then also how it iterates on that with the with the weakness system. 
with the, you know, the weak, enemies are weak to weapon types X, Y, and Z and these kinds of magic. And you need to com combine your team members and also the jobs that they have and their passive skills to be able to handle, you know, these enemies in the ice caverns as opposed to those enemies in the desert. And as much as I know you've been frustrated by the bosses, I think, especially near the end of the game, the ways that they change the boss designs is consistent enough that it really, like, it says, okay, you understand how this game works. You understand the mechanics. You understand how to beat an enemy in Octopath Traveler. So let's try something really weird, especially the Chapter 4 bosses. I think every Chapter 4 boss has something about it that makes it unique as an enemy. There's an enemy who you fight, and he's weak to all physical weapons, but his shield starts at 30. And then he gets weak, and then he comes back, and he has 15, but he's only weak to magic. And it like it keeps switching that around, so it's not, not like you can just run in there with a, a team and say, okay, well, Ulbrick is broken. I'll just throw Ulbrick at him until he dies. It's like you can't just do that, and it brings in... A puzzle-type element, which I feel like is always prevalent in some respect in a turn-based RPG, but brings it into a way that I think is very memorable, and especially, again, with the with some of these bosses, some of the coolest bosses I've ever fought in an RPG. Not generic Demon Lord X, Y, and Z and Giant Dragon X, Y, and Z, even though one of the bosses' names is Dragon. It is just a dragon. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh... The storylines are, I think, part of its weakest point, but I like the the eight stories it had to tell were cute and fulfilling to an extent. I disagree. But they, I think that's one of the best parts of the game. Because the they're so cute little fairy tales. Where I'm like, I am invested in all these. Like, they're oh, pretty one-note characters, but I am invested in all these characters. I think that's what I, I mean. like them. They're, they're, the storylines are good, but a bit one-note until the end. Mm -hmm. And in the very end, that's where I like appreciated the storyline aeons more than i did before the way that it all comes together and how the characters are actually a lot more connected than we think is where i like i felt like the weakest part of the game was like okay now you're good you're a great game mm -hmm. i really hope that this say says to square enix that people still want these kinds of games because the 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 groundwork is here for something absolutely incredible and i think this is really the step in the right direction and like you said with Pokemon, like, you know, Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu and Eevee is good, but it's not breaking new ground or doing anything really super impactful that I wanted to bring up. But I feel like Octopath is on here because of one of the biggest things is because of the impact it makes on the industry. Look, people still want this. People want these kinds of games made. And these are really, really, really good one as a also, also you know, being a a Switch exclusive kind of helps. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm really excited for what Square Enix has to do next when it comes to changing up and iterating on the thing that made them popular to begin with, which is the turn-based RPG. But Octopath Traveler. Okay, so I've played... I, I was very close to putting Octopath Traveler on my list. It's probably, like, my number six game of the year. I just... Like... I didn't feel right putting on my list after it causing me this much frustration and times where I was not having fun. I didn't expect you to put it on your list for this exact reason. That's and it's okay. like, so, like, I haven't beaten the game, but I've played over 60 hours of the game. So, um, I, Mike, I don't know how you got through the game so fast because I know a lot of people who played over 100 hours and beat the game. I didn't do probably as many. There's a lot of secondary... 
there's a lot of side quests and areas that you can go to that have like a mini boss that is a unique mini boss that has a really cool item at the end and i did fewer of those especially near the end of the game because i really wanted to get through it mm -hmm. um i'm just yeah 60 hours is you're someone who's not just beelining through the rest of the game and i'm actually right. kind of happy about that and it's just like there are so many times where i'm like oh i love this game but man is it making me mad right now <laughs> and it's just there's just so and it's, it's not that the bosses themselves frustrate me there's some hard bosses in the game and i like that what i don't like is when i'm on a boss for 30 minutes and then i die because he goes three times in a row i know that, that boss, pisses me that off. boss is a pain i know which one of the boss the, i want to say this real fast because i was very lucky i think i think my rpg chops made it so there was only, I think, two bosses in the game that I got really close to beating and that I died on. And one of them was that jerk who attacks five times when he's at quarter health. See, that, that, that happens to me more because I haven't played very many turn-based RPGs in my day. But, I'm and like especially when I only get like three hours a day to play a video game and I get 30 minutes into a boss fight and then I die and I'm like, I have to waste another 30 minutes plus who knows fighting that boss again like oh my god and that that annoys me um there there's so many like little things in octopath that i'm just like come on you're like you're almost there just go all the way like with the stories i think the stories are adorable i love all of those single person stories but that's the issue they're single person stories and you say they tie all in at the end and that makes it better and i i'm sure that's the case but that doesn't make up for the other 70 hours of that not happening. Oh, absolutely. And I, even at the end, it's like the characters are intertwined, but their storylines... The, the real-time storylines don't overlap the way you want them to. Mm -hmm. One of the most kind of... Not unsettling, but surprising things is near the end of the game when you get to the last boss, and there's a, there's a cinematic, but all eight of your characters run up together. And you're like, What? Like, oh, <laughs> the eight of you hang out. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you guys hung out together. Oh, um, yeah. No, but that's yeah. Like, that's kind of what I was saying with like the groundwork is there. Like this game definitely just is not a perfect game. Mm -hmm. I like how the bosses are really long because it lets them do really interesting things with puzzle elements. But when you die and you play thirty minutes of it, that's really the worst. <laughs> and the, there are certain things in the game where like it doesn't talk about how important they are. But then when once you get into the game, it's like oh, buying weapons. Or, like, spend, like, the way you spend your money is actually really important. Yeah. And, like, stuff like that. And it never really talks about that. And, like, that's an issue that I have with this game that I've never had with another game. Like, I don't know what it is about this game particularly, but I still have certain characters where, I, where like, they still have, like, the makeshift knife. Because I just haven't had the money to buy them a better knife. Why don't you just... Or haven't been in a place where I can get them a better knife. You don't... Tell me you, like, unequip things when you take people off your team. No. Oh, that's why. Yeah, I learned that pretty early on. I was like, I don't have enough money for this. If someone's not on my team, they are naked. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I don't know. All right, when you start getting some of the, the end game items, like for beating like the level four boss, you're like, I need to be using this all the time. Right, yeah. I had, at near the end of the game, I had Hannet with like three of, three of the level four boss weapons because I was just like, she's, she's just going to kill everything. <laughs> That's going to be okay. But, I mean, yeah, I aside from my problems with that game, I do think it is a very good game. Yeah. Um, what's your number two, Matt? Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. 
Interesting. I'm very curious about what your number one is, though. I think that Super Smash Bros. Okay, choosing between my one and two as to what was going to be number one and number two was really hard for me. I agree with that. Let me let me preface this. I'm going to talk about my number two after yours, but my number one game was Smash Brothers. Right. Um, because I was just like, I was, I was like, what's more important right now? What game, like, oh, I know what your number one game is. <laughs> and I'm like, what is the defining game of 2018? Do you know what I mean? And it was like, like what what game are you going to look back on 2018 and go, man, that game came out this year. And it was really hard to decide between this game and my number one. Say what your number one game is. Celeste. Yeah, I'm just like, well, I just want to make sure it's Celeste, right? Um, <laughs> and it, I was, it was just so hard because Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is amazing. It is an amazing game that people put ungodly amounts of hours into crafting for us. But... It also is very similar to other Smash games. Not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing no. at all. It's very similar. It adds a lot of content, which is hit or miss, some of that content, in my opinion. Okay. Especially World of Light. But it also makes this fighting game that has never been seen before on this kind of a scale. There has never been a fighting game with this much content in it before. Yeah. That's... Which is just... It's just jaw-dropping how much you can do, how many different combinations of characters you can have, how many different rule sets you can have, how many different ways you can play this game. This game really lets you play it any way you want. And part of the reason it made my number one was I looked at this game and my number two and said, Super Smash Brothers. I have put 55 hours into, and I feel like I have barely scratched the surface of what it has to offer. There are characters I haven't even played yet. For the first time over break, I played Luigi. I don't play Luigi, but I've never played <laughs> Luigi. I should be playing Luigi. Let me try Luigi. He's fun. He's great. He's awesome. Kirby's awesome. Fun. Like, there are, there's just so much I haven't even scratched. I mean, I've beaten World of Light, and I've played Smash Tournaments there, buddy. I've played probably more Squad Strike than anyone else I know, mm -hmm. and I still feel like there's so much more to do. No, yeah. Even playing classic mode with every character is going to take so long but I'm going to enjoy every moment of it because every single person has their individually, you know, curtailed little little story mode of classic. For me, 2018 was described by Super Smash Bros. Ultimate because it's I uh, partially because I'm nostalgia blind and partially because I don't think anyone was expecting a new Smash game so soon and to no. see it in your hands and say, this isn't like, you know how many people, remember how many people were talking? This is just going to be like, you know, a DX Smash 4. And it's so much not that. Yeah. It is so much not that. It is its own game. Like, there's, there's, there are connections to Smash 4, but it's just different. It's yeah. just a different game. It's the kind of game that I feel like is so big and so content rich that, I mean, it's bringing Melee players. Like, Melee players are playing Smash <laughs> Ultimate. And I feel like it's going to be a long time before we get a new Smash. Oh, because yeah. it must be and then here's the other thing enjoy this game because i don't think there's going to be the next smash game is going to be like this game i don't think it is because this is smash ultimate you know you you will never have this roster ever again it's, it's just not going to happen and the next smash brothers they're gonna they're gonna do something different i don't know how different i don't know what it's going to be like but it, it cannot be this again yeah it's it's just going to be hard to go anywhere from here. Mm -hmm. I feel like Smash Brothers could go in so many directions from this point, but in terms of what this is, this is the ultimate Smash Brothers. Right. As we know Smash Brothers, it's 
perfect. This yep. is a perfect Smash Brothers game. It's incredible. And I, it's just like, and I, I still play this game. Like I play this game by myself. I play this game with friends. I play this game online. I, I cannot get enough of this game. It's a great game. But I, I do think it has a couple of shortfalls in it, which I mean, every, uh, it's every, every game, game has does, it. especially with this game. It's got so much stuff, but even those shortfalls, it embraces. Yeah, you know, like I don't think World of Light is the best thing in the world, but it committed but to World it of commits Light. to what it is, and its quality, like its presentation, is clean. It is beautiful. Every like one hundred and thirty percent effort was put into everything in this game. Yeah, there like there was no part of this game where they're like, oh, maybe people won't look at that. They tried so hard. In everything, yeah, and I just like I have so much appreciation for that. I have so much appreciation for how hard the people who worked on this game worked. Yeah, there is so much in this game that, like, I mean, someone I remember someone saying like, I'm gonna buy the Smash Ultimate Collector's Edition not because I want the controller, but I should be paying 140 dollars for a game this big. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we probably should. This is a massive it's game. Huge. It's huge, and it's on a little cartridge that's sitting in my in a little box on my Switch shelf. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it, it is incredible. Um, but I, I I do think it is a it's a Smash Brothers game. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, and in some respects, it like that will always be something special for everybody. But the way that you wait, that is definitely a big part of how much like how right, exactly. much this is the game of 2018. But even then, I mean, Celeste was your number one game, but. It did make your number two, didn't it? <laughs> what? I said Smash did make your number two. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, Smash is still like, my number two. Like, yeah. It's just an outstanding game. Yeah. So do you want me to talk about my number two? Why or don't you just, talk just about go Celeste? to your number two? Okay. We'll... My number two. So I was also toying between, you know, like this is a game that I really, really, really enjoyed. And Smash Bros. I also really enjoyed. But I was like, well, how long did I play this one? I played this one for maybe 20 hours. And I played that one for 55 hours. And I was sitting there, and I was like, well, should this really be... This really shouldn't be my number one game, but it's like, I really do think that people don't give this game enough credit. But I said Smash Bros. Ultimate is definitely my number one. Um, and this game is actually a port. My number two game of the is. year was Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. I don't know what it is. Never mind, I thought you were going to say Holiday. No, no. Tropical Freeze was probably... You hadn't played this game before. I had not played this game before. This is why when you had said... We were talking, me and Matt were going back and forth about whether or not we should even allow ports, and I was like, we need to allow ports. Because for most of 2018, I would have said that Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze was my best game of 2018. I've always liked platformers. Like, I, I mean, Mario Odyssey is one of my favorite games, and Mario 64 is one of my favorite games of all time. I love jumping up and down, doing the things. But something I've always found is 2D platformers never captivated me the same way as a 3D platformer did. And partially because, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, I played Mario Brothers, but I really started playing video games with Super Mario 64 and Mario Kart. Like, 64 was my really, like, my first video game console. No 2D platformer has ever captivated me like Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze has. I really enjoyed Donkey Kong Country Returns on the 3DS. I didn't play it on the Wii. I was not about that wiggle-ness. <laughs> uh-huh. But it was just a consistent, iconic platformer. Every level felt like I could go back and say, oh, that's the level where. Yes. That's the world yes, where. Yes, yes. That's the enemy who. Even like four years after the fact that I played that game, I feel like I could still do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. The new content they added with Funky Mode, I've only really toyed with, but I... 
I've been waiting to go back to that game because I just want to play through it as Monkey Kong and just blast through the game. Because the game also, in addition to being like really fun and interesting and really captivating for a 2D platformer, is also difficult if you get like i did all the kong letters that's what i did and i got the you know the final world with its three really annoying levels and i really enjoyed that experience but i really want to just play through it swanky kong and roll through everything and everyone and just you know i know that that's obviously not a reason to buy the game again but again it's nintendo saying hey we know this game's kind of tough so don't feel bad you can still enjoy this game if you're maybe not into the difficulty level and be the grooviest kong in town and the last thing i really want to say about this game is that the music is incredible it is incredible grassland groove level 3-1 the music in that level is easily in my top five or top 10 music tracks of all time and like that's up there with like bombing mission from final fantasy 7 which is the opener <laughs> like i love Donkey Kong Country more than I ever thought I would have loved it. It is it is one of the greatest platformers Nintendo has. Yep. Just end of story. And it's like it, it's part part of the reason why I'm always like people. You know, you were saying like oh like Star Fox Grand Prix, and I'm like no, Retro needs to make another Donkey Kong Country, mm-hmm. please. It's oh god, I love it so much. I want to play it right now. Just talking about <laughs> it, I want to play it. Um, Mike, I lied. What Celeste isn't my number one. Really? What is your number one? It's this little game that I feel just didn't get enough love. It's Sushi Strike. I was going to make this joke, but then you took my number one and number two. I hate you. Ugh. I even asterisked Sushi Strike right here. Ugh. No, it's not. It's not That game strike. is trash. Well, okay. It's not trash. You know what? You know what? I do want to take this time. Just yeah, first to... talk about Celeste, then we can talk okay. about Sushi Strike. Celeste, Smash has more content than Celeste. I'm going to start with that. Celeste does have a ton of content, though. You have the A-sides. You have the main story. You have the B-sides. You have the B-sides. You have the C-sides. You have the C-sides. You have more content coming in 2019. Woof. And I have only played the main story as of right now, but I feel like I played what my money bought and more. Mm -hmm. The So... It is what you you said this earlier that you were afraid to get into Celeste because you don't want to get one of those games that's super frustrating that you die a lot. Mm-hmm. Celeste's loading time in between deaths is non-existent. Yeah, it is 0.1 second, if that. Yeah, it's like it's Meat just, Boy. Yeah, and like that's why like there were certain certain sections where I probably died more than 20 times on, but you just go right back and you would feel all the motivation. Just do it again. Yeah, do it again. I feel Doing like, it. unlike, even from what I've seen, it seems like, like, where Super Meat Boy is like, <laughs> look how many times you died, this game's like, no, you can do it. You got this. Like, I feel like it's very, like, no, you got this. Right. Go back, do it again. Um, Polygon has a video about um, the level design in Celeste, about how it's made up of two different things. It's, you know, the beginning of, like, before you get onto the mountain about, you know, learning about it or learning about what you're going to be doing they're comparing it to real mountain climbing and then this thing called the crux which is like the real tricky part of the mountain like how are you going to get past this issue this climbing wall that you're doing has and celeste perfectly translates those it's like all right this is what i know about the mechanics and this is the new things that it's throwing at me and how i need to figure out how to get past it. So it's just and really then, solid design right. in that. It's just so solid design. It's like, 
you know, one level, one level has these blocks that if you dash while you're standing on the block, it will dash with you in a certain direction. Or um, when you land on a block, it will start moving. And if you crouch, it will go down. Um, like it's going from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen. If you crouch, it will go diagonally down right. Mm-hmm. Or it will go, if you jump, it will go upright. And you need to figure out how to use that to get through certain puzzles. Or certain puzzles. Well, you need to do that while jumping through other obstacles that the block can get through while you can't get through at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there's there's just so many crazy obstacles. Like, how am I going to do it? Like, there's certain parts where you get to them and it takes you a while and you do it and you're like, I have no idea how I did that. Yeah. And you, you feel really good about yourself. Yeah. And this isn't even to highlight the best part of Celeste. Yeah, because the best part's the story. I, I don't know anything about the story, but I've heard I it's really good. I don't want to tell you anything about the story because it is so good. And no matter who – I think I've said this before on this podcast. No matter who you are, you will find some way to relate to this story, and this story will give you some kind of comfort. Because it, it, it's the way the story is presented. It's like how real it is in its dialogue. And the there's two main characters. I mean, one is vastly more important than the other one. But there, there's Madeline and there's this character named Theo. And they both have these things that they go through through the story. And it's just like, it's just wow. Like, you you watch the way these two characters interact with each other and talk about what's going on in the story. And it just feels so real. And this game where the characters sound like Animal Crossing characters, like, <laughs> somehow those sounds perfectly convey the emotions of the characters. Yeah. And it makes you care about them so much. And the music. It's also really good. I've heard that really good. Um, it is one of those games where I will get into bed, I will turn all the lights off in my room, and I I have this thing where I can't go to sleep unless my ceiling fan is on. No matter how cold it is, I have to have my ceiling fan on. All right. But um, you know you can flip it to make it go warm, right? What? I'm... Mine doesn't do that. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, I my ceiling fan always has to be on high. Okay. And. You know, there's this, this little chill in my room, and I'm sitting in my room. I got my headphones in playing Celeste, and I, I feel like I'm on the mountain. Like, that, the game does such, it's it's a bit game. It's a very undetailed game, but it does such a good job of presenting itself the way it presents itself that I feel like I'm on the mountain. I feel like I am Madeline, or I'm with these characters on this mountain. It's very immersive. I just love that. Yeah, it's very immersive, and you can just get engrossed in the story so easily. Like, I, I think... I actually highly recommend you play this game in one chunk or one or two longer chunks, but I played this game sporadically over a month or two. But every time I went back to the game, it instantly sucked me back in. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was just instantly back into it. I instantly remember what was going on in the story. Yeah. I instantly had all those emotions just come back to me. Like, it just it handles it so well. That's good. That's really cool. It is one of those games. I'm really happy I got it as a physical edition because I've, everyone seems to talk about it like it is something really good and it seems it's one of those games that i feel like people will be talking about for a long time i mean it is it's an indie game and it was nominated for game of the year with god of I, war and... i really wish i really wish it got the same love that undertale did because i feel like it should have like undertale was that next big indie game and i really feel like this one should have been that next big indie game well it might it might and yeah i mean it might it could still get there mm-hmm. it's got time um so yeah those are our top five nintendo nintendo switch games of the year just a quick, I just want to give a couple uh, mentions of things that I also played that, like, didn't even make the list, but, like, also came out this year. Mm-hmm. Bayonetta 2 came out this year? Um, well, the port. The port. Again, we're talking about a couple ports here. Um, 
Captain Toad came out this year, which I really liked. Oh, well, I, I mean, really port, enjoyed again, again a port, but a port I really enjoyed. I I gave the uh, Dragon Quest builders uh, a nod, which is also a port, but it's it was so it was I mean I said this on the podcast it was a game that I was sitting there on a Saturday and downloaded the demo of and played for two hours straight with Sarah and we then left the house to go buy Dragon Quest Builders mm-hmm. and play it you know not no game has done that to me in a long time um, and yeah I mean yeah there's just so many other games that came out this year um, I I remember now there's two they are indie games but two other Switch games that came out this year I didn't play that I really wanted to. Greece, oh yeah, and or is it uh, Chris? I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Greece and Into the Breach. Yeah, both both. Of... Really wanted to play those games, didn't get to. Greece is apparently really good. I didn't want to try to play that one before, um, you know, before it gets real crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there were also some stinkers. Okay, we hate on Sushi Striker a lot. We do. We hate on a lot. We do. Joking aside, I don't think it's as bad as we joke it is. Oh no, but that's like our thing. I know, no, I know, but I I do just want to say. It's not that bad. It's just a game that super outstays its welcome. Yep. Th- that's the thing about that. It is a great game for I, I a few minutes a at a time. It, for a few minutes at a time, it's good. I've heard on the DS is clearly where it was supposed to be. And on yeah. the DS, it is a really solid game. Mm-hmm. It's fine on the Switch. It's yeah. fine. And that's where it starts and ends. It's I, fine. I do now want to briefly highlight my, my top five games. Go ahead. This looks a little different. <laughs> Starlink came out this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, my number five was Detroit Become Human. Okay. My number four was Super Smash Bros. Okay. My number three was Spider Man. My number two was Celeste, and my number one was God of War. Cool. That sounds about right. They, I, they, they, all five of those were incredible games. Yes. God, it was a big year. It's already January, and we're already excited. Me and Matt both went through the games that like are coming out this year that we wanted to to buy. That were just coming out this year that we knew of already. Mine went to almost 20, and yours went to what, 28, I think you said? 29? Yeah, 20, 28 games, I think. 2019 is going to be a good year. I mean... But you bought 31 games in yeah. 2018. I did. Well, I played 31 games. We don't even... I mean, I just... Oh, man, only one of them matters. It's Kingdom Hearts 3. It's going to... I am, like, as much as I, like, love being a cynical, like, little... Uh, POS with you on uh... Mike. Can you name Can you name any game that comes out in February right now? A game that comes out in February? No. And I do, know. Do I... you know why? Because Kingdom Hearts comes out in January. Well, 29th. what other games came out in December? <laughs> what do you? All right. No. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Exactly. No. I, like... I, I. I listen. As much as I like to bag on Kingdom Hearts, I understand why. Like, I I really enjoy Kingdom Hearts too. I really did. I just, it's, to me, it's, the, the best part about it is knowing, knowing and enjoying the source material enough to get under your skin about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, if I didn't play Kingdom Hearts, I'd be like, Kingdom Hearts is dumb. <laughs> Why does that dude have big shoes? No, it's like, wh- what is a Riku Heartless and why does it want to have sex with Roxas? Right, right, Like, right. <laughs> I'm just like, it's. It's a good game, and it's going to be really exciting. Like I said, I want to watch you play Kingdom Hearts 3. Was... I, have, I have no interest in playing it, but I have interest in watching you play it. You want to know how high my hype level is? How high? There is a mobile turn-based Final Fantasy game, right? And I saw an ad on Instagram saying, for a limited time, you can unlock Sora in anticipation of Kingdom Hearts 3. And I'm like, give it to me! Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I was like, just give it to me. Give me everything Sora right now. Yep. Well, Matt got for Christmas this year from our friends. He got a he got a Sora, 
sweatshirt. Uh, yeah, it was like Kino, zip-up hoodie. Kino Mars 2 outfit hoodie. And I, I love it. I love yeah. it so much. I'm going to sit in my basement for like a month and just play Kingdom Hearts 3. It's going to be great. Oh, Are you man. going to Disney around then? Uh, okay, so um, January 20th, I leave for Disney. Right now, there is a Kingdom Hearts 3 demo oh, yeah, you're talking in about Disney this. World. And, you're gonna and I'm going to play it right? like five days before the game comes out. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, I mean, obviously, that is my most anticipated thing of 2019. Mike, what is your most impi- Animal anticipated? Crossing. All right. Well, Fire Emblem is really high up there, but... Animal Crossing is going to be the reason that Sarah gets a Switch, and right. I'm really excited to have a game that I can play with her there's, pretty much forever. There's something special about having that game that you can just share with someone. Yeah. It's going to be good. Um, But yeah, is there is there anything that's not announced? What One thing, one out-of-the-blue thing that you hope happens in 2019. Out-of-the-blue, so something like we don't expect? Something you don't expect. Um... Nintendo to put out a new racing game of some kind, whether that's new Mario Kart, like a big chunk of Mario Kart DLC, or F Zero. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> like that. I mean, honestly, you know, it's one of my favorite genres to play, and I just I want to see what Nintendo can do. I have a crazy conspiracy theory. You want to hear it? Yeah, sure. Then we gotta get to our fun facts because we're almost uh, we're almost an hour and forty minutes in, man. I know. <laughs> okay, so first Nintendo Nintendo mobile game. This is Mario Run, right? Yeah. Came out in December of 2016. Yes, it did. January 2016. Mario Odyssey was announced. Okay. Ah, oh, I see where you're going with this. The next the next uh, mobile game was um, Fire Emblem, right? Yeah. Fire Emblem was announced with Fire Emblem Echoes. And Shadows, and Fire Emblem Warriors, wasn't it around the same time they announced yeah, that? They, yeah, they all had, shared the same direct. Animal Crossing yeah. came out. And now we got a Animal Crossing. Nothing coming out. So Super Mario, uh, so Mario what, Kart, whatever. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is Mario Kart. It's time, yeah. It's time. Uh, I No, I don't think it's time, but I do think it will lead into something. Yeah. I, I think Mario Kart 8 Deluxe still has some time in the spotlight. But, it's got um, like a retention rate of like 50%. Like 50% of people who own a Nintendo Switch own Mario Kart. They can't just leave that if, there. If I had to choose one totally out of the blue thing that I would want in 2019, it would be Pokemon 2. I would love that. I would I would die. I would I would be very excited. That if if I could have any one totally out of the blue, and I'm not I'm not including Skyward Sword HD. Nice, but <laughs> one totally out of the blue thing. It would be Pokemon too. Yeah. Anyway, Mike, what's your fun fact? My <coughs> sorry, my fun fact is um, watch yourself at work while you're flipping through reports that are stapled together. I got a paper cut today on my lip. Because I went like this and flipped a page over and sliced it at a client's office. So I was like, I'm like holding my mouth. And like, I just need to finish this payroll thing I'm doing. And then I was like, I'll be right back. And I like had to wash my my mouth out because my lip was bleeding profusely. It was like, come on, man. It's 2019. Let's not start this way. (laughs) But that's my fun fact. Uh, My fun fact is um, if you forget your Google password, Google just doesn't trust you anymore. Nope. Um, So... I got a new phone for Christmas. Yeah. And um, it kept asking me to sign into my Gmail. Now, I made my Gmail in 2010, and I haven't changed my Google password since 2010. I'm assuming you don't log in that much either. No. I mean, and I mean, I switched between the Pink Gold Peeps Gmail and my own Gmail, and I don't really, like, I don't have to remember the passwords because my computer remembers it for me. Yeah. And I was like, what is my password? And so I kept, and I just couldn't remember it for the life of me. I'm like, can't remember my password. And it's like, answer me this, answer me this, answer me this. And I answered all the questions. 
and then it was like we're gonna send um a we're gonna send you a temporary password to a backup uh gmail which is a gmail that that one for some reason feels it's connected to which is the gmail that i had before my current gmail yes which i you i used to use until i forgot that password oh my god <laughs> But I was like, I don't know how to get into that Gmail. And I was like, send it somewhere else. And I asked it to send it to my iCloud. So then I um, logged into my iCloud because my old phone remembers my iCloud password. And I, I do know my iCloud password. Okay. I want to make that clear. Okay. But um, And then it gave me the temporary password. So then I went back to my computer to log in with the temporary password. And it asked me three more security questions. And then it brought me to a screen that was like, something about this is sketchy. You'll get an email from us in three to five business days on your iCloud to verify that it's you. Oh my gosh. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, nah, screw this. I restarted my computer, got back to the login screen, and I remember my password, just like suddenly. And I got in. And my Gmail's working fine now. And I'm like, oh man. I don't know what that is. And if they if they do email me, which they probably have already, I don't care. I'm just not going to respond to the security check email. Yep. I'm like, I'm in. I don't care anymore. Oh my god. I was so frustrated. I love it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's our show, kiddos. Yeah, so, um, you know, the usual places to subscribe to us. Um, iTunes and, uh, what are we on? SoundCloud. Sorry, it's been a little <laughs> while. iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us at Pink Gold Peep. Subscribe to us. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, where could they tell, where could you ask us questions? Where can you tell us, I want an episode all about Star Fox Grand Prix. I want an episode all about Sushi Striker again for some reason. Tweet at us at Pink Gold Peeps. Um, on Twitter, you can also you can also email our boy Matt at pinkgoldpeeps at gmail dot com. <laughs> Read all that hate mail. Um, and yeah, you know, let us know what you want to see yeah, in twenty nineteen. I, I got a Sunday night ritual where I just sit there and I read all my hate mail. Yeah. So Matt just sits there in front of an empty screen reading junk <laughs> mail, <laughs> which might be worse. <laughs> it is. It almost is. Um, but yeah, uh, Rex Record made our opening. Uh, check him out on SoundCloud as well. And uh, Matt, you have anything else to say before we close out the show? Uh, no, it's just it's, it's a new year. 2019. It's, it's, it's a new a, pink gold peeps. It's a new pink gold peeps. Tell us how we're going to end 2019 shows. Come on. Uh, the answer is chow. <sighs> it's chow. So, uh, chow. <laughs>